welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne, as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Hello and welcome to our 33rd episode of the Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I'm your host, Alexandros Megas. And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne. And today, you know, I had, uh, you know that song, I'm Addicted to Love? Yeah, Robert Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to play that. I forgot. But, you know, let's assume that it's playing in the background because... Today, we are going to talk about addiction, a lot of people's favorite topic, and uh, mm. a very non-PC approach, right? As always. As always. So, what, uh, what is addiction? When we talk about addiction, most people tend to think of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and the like. However, addiction is very broad as a term. And I would dare to say that we are all addicts. We're all addicted, human beings, because addiction is not about a substance. Addiction is a state of mind. Addiction is an emotional response to life. And uh, addiction is, I would say, tightly connected to our habits. Of course. So in order to start ranting, did you have something in mind to, to ask specifically? Well, I, I wondered, um, like given that addiction is, is kind of uh, up there as one of those words which, is, which has negativity written all over it, I just wondered, is there, is there any good side to addiction? Is it that addiction is a is a form of behavior which is actually quite normal in humans, but it's just that some things that we're addicted to are not good for us and other things that we're addicted to are okay? Um, I just wondered about that. I don't have the answer. just wondered what you thought. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Because addiction is a habit, right? It's based on a habit. It's habitual behavior. And... As we know, all habits have their root to the programming of the subconscious mind. So I would say absolutely. Like someone could be addicted to cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, or, or someone can be addicted to learning, you know, maybe <laughs> addicted to growing. You know what I mean? So, yes. Although, you know, I have to say addiction equals obsession so 
I, I suppose if you're obsessed about anything, uh, you might be a little off balance, even if what you're obsessed about is actually very good for you. But, uh, oh. you know, hmm. that's a matter of interpretation, I suppose. So what do you inter what what's your definition of addiction? Well, addiction is habitual, repeated and uh, predictable behavior based on a specific uh, stimulus. Um, and that could be, of course, on the surface, like if we talk about cigarettes uh, or alcohol uh, or other kinds of substances on on the surface. Everyone is thinking that the stimulus is a, a chemical always, right? But uh, ultimately, I think it's, uh, I, I believe it's emotional, actually 100% emotional uh, because you know how they say that, oh, cannabis is the gateway drug or gateway drug or, you know, they say that about, I guess, several kinds of uh, substances. Um, and what does that mean? If the drug in and of itself is the cause, if the substance in and of itself is the cause of the behavior, then why is it that the system gets used to that and wants something else? Mm. Right? You ultimately you don't you don't stay there. There's an evolution or you know devolution, however you want to put it. Um, of that kind of uh, situation. It doesn't stay static. So this is what happened. I believe I mentioned that uh, story in the past, but um, this is actually a, a very pertinent situation for me to mention it again. I had a friend who was uh, an avid cigarette smoker, <laughs> very passionate cigarette smoker, I'd say. And uh, we started doing uh, a, a hypnotic session, first of all, to discover what led him to that addiction, that addictive behavior. Because it is known that the addictive behavior, the behavior itself, is something that is rooted in the subconscious mind. It's emotional in nature. So... It, it, people that think, oh, I'm just going to go to do hypnosis to, to, quit, uh, to quit smoking. You know, they think that someone's going to whisper certain magical phrases in your ear and then it's going to reprogram you and then you won't want to smoke anymore. Now, that may actually work uh, in the short run. But in the long run, if you don't find the root of the addiction and extinguish it, then you go right back at it. I mean, we all know how this works, right? Uh, the New Year's resolutions and, and the like. You know, on Monday, I'm starting a new diet and I'm sticking to it this time. So anyway, so we discovered that what led to his... Um, nicotine addiction to his smoke, smoking addic addiction was the fact that he started smoking when he had a very good-looking Brazilian girlfriend 
and he was, I guess he was either vacationing in Brazil or he was in some exotic place for a while, I guess, for over a couple of months. And uh, she was a smoker, right? So she started smoking with her. And of course, uh, I'm, I was led to believe that uh, there was a lot of pleasant situations that uh, derived from this relationship. And, uh, and so when he later on, when he wasn't with her, uh, the subconscious mind that loves to get in any opportunity to feel pleasure and stay away from pain would recall these feeling, this good feeling, you know, it's feeling like, oh, it's so awesome, loving, relaxing um, feeling. And of course, it was anchored around the fact that they were smoking together because that was the one thing that he had access to because he didn't have access to either the place, neither the place nor the girl anymore. So that kind of like anchored the situation. And that's a term, that's a, it's a neuro-linguistic and hypnotic term um, to have an emotion or an emotional situation being linked to a specific event or an object. It could be either. Right. So he was recreating the feeling, as it were, every time he had a cigarette. That's right. And of course, that's why it was so hard for him to step away from it because he didn't know what to replace it with. Because we know that the subconscious mind is a computer and a computer needs programming. So if you're going to get rid of programming that is harmful to you, you better replace it with something else, which hopefully is better for you. Mm. And is it, it like in that situation? I mean, um, when you look at smoking cigarettes, um, is it the nicotine that's addictive or is it the subconscious's addiction to the feeling that they get that it gets from smoking and from nicotine? The nicotine is very temporary. You know, people think that it's the nicotine that makes them smoke, but that's not true. You can get it just like with, you know, if you're a heroin addict, you can completely wipe the heroin off your system in, I don't, I mean, I don't know how long, but it's definitely less than a week. Okay. So you'll be like heroin free, nothing in your system, but there's something in you that needs, I mean, of course, you know, you have the neurotransmitters that have been created uh, in order to find that kind of situation, the same sort of situation, the same sort of, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, escape. Mm. Because a lot of those kinds of addictions are about escape. Mm. And of course, as we know, escape never works. Actually, the, as we try to escape a bad situation, because we're trying to escape it, we make it worse, in, in, you know, uh, mm. inevitably. And that's definitely not the wisest way to go about uh, dealing with it. So chemical addiction is, as far as I'm concerned, rooted in emotional trauma of 
you know, any sort. There are many kinds of emotional trauma. Now, I know that there are some people, especially who have kids that have fallen into addiction, that get very upset when they hear things like that because they feel like they are to blame. You know, like, well, you know, if my kid needed to because ultimately you you fall into addiction in order to escape an emotional uh, traumatic situation event feeling that you can't seem to get rid of otherwise Mm -hmm. so you know what parent wants to admit that they had any kind of responsibility uh, any kind of blame if you will or projected onto their child having to fall into drug addiction because of them. It's mm. it's not easy. But of course, you know, when we say because of them, it, uh, we know that everyone is responsible for themselves, ultimately, 100%. Right? People tend to react differently uh, in different situations. I mean, we all, in one form or, or another, we get to somehow emotionally traumatize our children, you know, inevitably, even if we don't uh, want to, even if we have the best intentions. Because... I was going to say, when we have them, we don't actually know what we're doing. Right. There's no playbook with them. And... Uh, you have to kind of work it out. So it's, it's um, you've got all that going on and you've also got the fact that um, you've got all of the other stuff of life going on. And uh, often the kids get um, sandwiched in the middle. Right. And of course, the, the other problem, which ends up being a rather big problem, is that the child has a godlike image for the parent. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why they say that the parents are the greatest hypnotists right? <laughs> within the family because, and, and why it is that your parents can push your button so well because they installed them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when the child has that godlike image of the parent, the parent can do no wrong. Right? The parent is God. Parent is awesome. Parent knows everything. Now, and as you get to the, as you reach the age of, of understanding that this couldn't be further from the truth, uh, there are several ways to deal with that fact. You know, I mean, and for some kids, depending on the sensitivity, uh, this is, this is a, an event that they can't cope with. It's, it's something that, that becomes very painful. And so, you know, with that, usually we tend to seek to find a source of pain relief. And uh, not, thank God, but the other guy perhaps, uh, there are plenty of those in today's society. Mm-hmm. Plenty of pain, pain relief. Because this society is all about pain relief. It doesn't care much for pain, as we know. So, so in terms of um, when, if you take something like uh, alcohol or cigarettes, 
obviously there's an impact, a physiological impact on the system. And as you said, a lot of it is about escape. Um, at what point, or do you think there's a difference between something that's just a habit, uh, which could be a, you know, it's, it's a habit that happens a lot, um, and addiction? Is there a difference in terms of the, if you want to call it the scale, between the two? That one is just something that you'd happen to do a lot, but that you could, if you, if you didn't do it for several weeks or months, it wouldn't actually bother you. But then you've got, as I would understand it, the addiction level, whereas there's this need to engage in having a cigarette or engage in having a drink or whatever. Um, so there's, there's almost a, a dependence or a reliance or perceived dependence or reliance on it. Like where where's the the trigger? Is the is it where the original habit was formed? Uh, is it back to that point of the trauma? That is that where the distinction happens, or is it that certain people are are more inclined to be addicted to things? I mean, we've heard of the phrase addictive personality, and as I've seen it, it's kind of reflected in someone sort of going uh, diving into something whether it be smoking or cigarettes or relationships or whatever in a way which is which is obsessive as the word you used before is that the distinction between just having a continuous habit around some of these substances and the level you need to get to in order to be addicted well, I, I don't know of any habit that is not an addiction, personally. Because, I mean, what's okay. it, it, it wouldn't be a habit uh, otherwise, right? I mean, what's that? If, yeah. I, if I can not smoke for a year and be totally cool with that, then clearly it's not a habit. A habit mm -hmm. is something that has to, I mean, that's a habitual behavior, right? It's something that has to happen continuously over time. It has to happen, you know. But we all we all are uh, addicted to behaviors. All of us are, mm. because that's anything. A habit is a program, so we need the programs, right? So we, the only difference is that we need. Hopefully, we need good habits. We need habits that serve us rather than habits that, that destroy us. Mm. So the idea here is how to craft those habits that serve us and how to stay away, step away from the ones that destroy us. I mean, you know, how many people do you know that if they don't have their coffee in the morning, they're going to lose their shit? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. You know, I enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning, but if I don't have it, it's, it's not going to, my world is not going to turn upside down. Is, that, is, is your situation, is, are you saying that that's not a habit? In my situation? Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it is habitual behavior. Yes. But mm. 
but if I don't have, if I don't have it, it's not going to, you know, upset me. But is that the, the, the difference? And I think that's, that's what I was trying to get to was where people need that, like they have it in their heads that they, they feel they absolutely need the drink or the cigarette or the cup of coffee or whatever it may be. And if they don't have it, then it's like as if something is missing. Um, and to that extent, um, that's to me that that always struck me as kind of the difference between people who were able to, they could have a coffee every day if it was put in front of them, but if it wasn't, wouldn't make any difference. Versus someone who essentially has it in their head that until they have their coffee, they don't come alive. They might as well stay in bed. Right. It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because most people, I mean, I, I'm a weirdo. We know, we know that. We uh, have established that. But uh, most people have their rituals, their daily rituals, and uh, they are linked to them. They, they, they pray with them because it's, it's a form of a prayer, you know, when you have a ritual. Um, mm. it, it has an emotional link to something. It's funny because we also had, uh, you know, when people smoke, we've mentioned that before. Ultimately, smoking tobacco to the natives is a prayer. It's, tobacco is, is, uh, is medicine, right? It's uh, sacred medicine. Mm. And of course, this society who is great at taking something sacred and turning into shit, like uh, upside down, inverted entirely, uh, turn takes that and and makes it uh, addictive. Puts chemicals into it to make it more addictive. Uh, to make it even you know there's these chemicals that uh, cigarettes have. I don't know if that stopped because there was like a lawsuit. But uh, if you took a regular cigarette and you you lit the cigarette, it would just by itself, even if you didn't smoke it, it would just go out. It would, you know, burn down. Mm. And that was due to a chemical that was put either on the tobacco itself or the paper. I'm not sure. Because, of course, it served the, the profit benefits of the corporation that is making the cigarette. Because, you know, if you don't pay attention to the cigarette and you don't smoke it for a minute or two or three, it's going to go out. Then what are you going to do? You're going to light up another one. And so, you know, you would get to consume so much more than otherwise. Because, you know, like, for example, with my pipe, right? If I don't light it, it just goes out. <laughs> this is what nat natural, normal tobacco does. Uh, so, but then if you look at it from another perspective, just think about the inversion that I talked about, uh, the natives would pray with tobacco, which means that if I, the prayers, my intentions right, are, are transferred over to the element of smoke and they, as the smoke wafts up into the ether, you it carries your prayers with it. This is the <laughs> idea behind it. 
And actually, okay. it's a very magical idea. Now, if you take that and monitor how most people in today's life, today's world, smoke, you would see how detrimental that is in terms of what it is that they manifest. Right? Because people smoke wanting to relieve the stress. Mm. You know, people smoke thinking of their problems. You know, this is what this society associates smoking a cigarette with. Like, I'm smoking because I'm nervous. I'm smoking because, you know, I have anxiety. I smoke because that, that bastard sold $1,000 of my money. I'm smoking because, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, my boss is an asshole. But, but what do you do? You smoke thinking and emoting on those elements. And then that smoke carries those emotions, wafts them up into the universe. And it's your prayer. It's a daily prayer. Several times a day, as a matter of fact. What do these people then get to manifest, right? They manifest more of that shit in their lives. Of course, if you tell them what we just talked about, they will laugh and call you insane. Which is ironic. <laughs> yeah. In, so in relation to, um, I mean, I know we, you, you said that, you know, what we're dealing with are habits here. And these are habits that, I suppose we've kind of fallen into because there's been like your friend, for example, in the association that he had with smoking and, and, and pleasure. Usually these kind of habits that turn out to be not good for us are things that started out with that piece, with, with the, the pleasure piece. And it then at some point gets out of hand and I'm just wondering, you know, is, is that just a progression of, of repetition? Or is it that these substances or, or whatever the particular addiction, addiction is starts to mean something else to people beyond the act of doing it and the pleasure that they get from, you know, having the cigarette or smoking the cannabis or having the whiskey or whatever it might be that it, it it goes beyond that and and as i say starts to mean something else to people look everything every uh, behavior every behavioral pattern evolves because everything yeah, okay. evolves right everything evolves and mm. you can you can solidify something like the more you do something the more you you solidify it and if it happens that your habit is coupled with uh, a substance that is addictive, you know, in and of itself, of course, it's going to solidify your habit even more. You're making, mm. you're making, as as uh, a magician would say, uh, creating a thought form that uh, is energized on a daily basis, and that thought form becomes an entity, becomes a possession of, of sorts. So you are being possessed by now by an entity as if it were a demon, right? <laughs> of course, it, it would get a lot more uh, dramatic if you thought of those uh, horror films, you know, with uh, the possessed in individuals, you know, like, uh, mm. uh, like uh, 
the exorcism, the exorcist or something. But uh, it is kind of like that, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I, I have um, seen people around me who have been, let's say, uh, cannabis smokers, that if they don't, but of course you can see that uh, in other things too, like um, a regular everyday smoker or, or someone who needs to drink or someone who, yeah, someone who smokes cannabis. If they don't have it, like if they don't have it, they become different people. Mm. It's, it's, that's easy to see. So from where I'm standing, I'm looking at these people and I know that these are not something is, is overriding your everyday persona, whoever it is that's driving the vehicle, okay? And someone else now gets to drive the vehicle because they need to convince you and their surroundings to feed them, to feed them with that kind of energy, the energy that they need, right? So... If it's alcohol, then you need to drink. And for a lot of people, when they drink, they become more themselves. Because the, the entity, I suppose, that is responsible for this sort of thing is, is fed and, and it, it's now it's like it's, it's content and it moves into the background. Now, of course, there's the other kind as well where people completely change into monsters become monsters when they uh, engage in this kind of uh, addictive behavior and I would say that's also for the same kind of reason there are there are entities all around us all over us you know and it's it's I know a lot of people think this is bullshit I, I get it I understand. But it's not even logical. You know what I mean? It's like something, someone who sees the ocean for the first time and, and dives into the ocean and thinks that they are the only being, the only alive being into that ocean. It doesn't make sense. This is a, it's a vast, I mean, we talk about the universe and what universe? I mean, there are like countless universes even, right? We are constantly surrounding by, uh, surrounded by, by stuff, by urges, by, uh, by energies that we don't understand and we can't perceive most of the time. You see people uh, changing their minds from one minute to the next changing their moods from one minute to the next. And we think that this is, oh, that's totally normal. It, it happens, of course. What, why, hmm. why is it? I mean, we are, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this quote before, but uh, according to this quote, most of the time, it says when you are listening, I mean, I'm sorry, when you're thinking, you're actually listening. Because for most people, their thoughts are not their own. And that could be the kind of thoughts that, you know, you get some kind of a, an inspiration, if you will. Like you, you know, you sit there and you mind your own business and, and then you think of something that 
made you or should have made you mad yesterday or a week ago. Well, that person, how dare they say that to me? You know, there, there is a term for these people that actually they have this cyclical way of, and I don't know what the term is um, in English, but uh, they recycle their emotional understanding of, of what has occurred and then they tap onto it again and they it takes them a little while to actually react in the way that uh, uh, you would expect someone to react so but you know where does it come from and most people don't think about these things so so are you are you saying uh, that when someone has say consumed alcohol that they becoming a different person is potentially coming from a place that um, almost like they've invited in another personality, they've invited in another entity by virtue of that? Or is it, is it that they have lost control of themselves and they start to behave in a way which is perhaps expressing a, a part of them that is hidden when they're sober? What is that part that is hidden? You see, if we have hidden parts of us that do not come out ordinarily, then who's to say that these are not uh, entities that, w that have been trapped within us, within our energetic field, or trapped or, or caught or invited, you know, however you want to put it. Who's to say? I mean, who do, you know what I mean? Maybe, you, maybe when you do, when you engage in the behavior, you unlock that door of the cage and, and the animal comes out, the monster comes out. Mm. But I mean, how can you become a different person? How does it even make sense that your actual, your normal behavior would change so much? And of course, traditional science and medicine would say, oh, of, of course, you know, your nervous system is poisoned and because it's poisoned, it reacts in that kind of discombobulated way. You know, whatever, man. The idea here is that there is something that is out of your control here. Hmm. And is that similar to what happens, because um, what comes up, and I know we talked about this before, but when you engage in uh, the ritual, say, of ayahuasca. So with ayahuasca, is it a case that you're losing, you're giving up control there and therefore aspects of you start to emerge, start to, I suppose, communicate with you, interact with you? Is, is that something similar to what happens? As far as I'm concerned, it happens in a way that it brings all your issues into the foreground. Hmm. But do you lose, I mean, never having engaged in it, do you lose the sense of, you know, losing inhibition, for example, like you might do if you were uh, having alcohol or you were having drugs? Um, do you, you know... Do you start to to let go consciously in in the way that you would in those situations? Not in my experience. Okay. You know, unless you know someone someone can have 
uh, I don't, I don't know, psychosis and, uh, and, uh, deal with things like that in a much different way. But as far as I'm concerned, of course it takes, this isn't, you know, we've been through that. This isn't an easy thing to do. This isn't, you know, a casual thing to do. Uh, mm. it's, it's a commitment that it takes a certain amount of cojones here to, to step into. Uh, because mm. you are actually, all these things that possess you, you get to confront them and you get to expose them. And as you do, uh, you start, of course, to be consciously aware of what they are and uh, the fact that you can't anymore rationalize that behavior. You can't anymore put that in the background again and say, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, you can't, you can't do that because once this behavior becomes evident, it comes to the form, you know, if you, if you were to look at yourself in the mirror, for example, right, and, and start seeing another face emerging, and that was happening to you, you know, seven days in a row, then you start considering that either you're going crazy or something else is happening mm. or something, you know, something is being revealed to you and now you're forced to deal with it. Mm. Okay. So, okay. So that's a very, um, let's say intentional, uh, experience that, as you said, you've got to, you've got to have the balls to go ahead and do, and that's, you know, a self-exploration uh, process. If we bring it back to, you know, substances and addiction, I mean, where does someone go that wants to start to change an addiction that they might have beyond this idea that, you know, they think they can go to someone. And, and as you said, you're accepting the fact that someone could go to good hypnotherapist and could help them significantly with, with um, you know, smoking or whatever other addiction they might have. But if someone is looking at it through their own eyes and looking to see what they can do to, to change an addiction that they're not particularly fond of or is not doing them any good, what, what can they do to, to confront it and deal with it and move forward? It all depends on who that person is and why they need to get rid of that addiction. And we spoke about the whys. Right? The whys are actually uh, not very easy to discover in the first place because you have to be extremely honest with yourself. And when you do, you have to know why you need to evolve, why you need to step out of that, out of that behavior and become someone else. Because knowing that you have an addiction uh, is not, you know what I mean? It's not going to make you do anything. Uh, you have to have a pretty good understanding of, of how that addiction is robbing you of being strong, of being the owner of yourself, of uh, living life in your own terms. And you have to know why you want to live life on your own terms. Uh, if you do know these things, and if 
evolving, stepping into your your higher self on a daily basis. If that's part of your agenda, if that's part of your path, then it doesn't matter what method you use as far as I'm concerned. So so you're you're saying the idea of approaching the addiction as something to be fixed. You break a leg, you go and get it fixed. So approaching it as being something to be fixed kind of in that way is not going to get you a long-term solution. That what you need to do is to pull yourself back and look on the greater um, the greater totality, I suppose, of your life and where addiction is sitting and what it's doing to your life and then make a decision from from the greater uh, perspective, from the helicopter view, as it were, to change that in order to change the whole course of your life. Is that is that that approach is is likely to to achieve uh, longer term results than just trying to fix the problem? That's right. Yeah, Be- because the problem is not the problem. <laughs> yeah, the problem is what pushes you into engaging with the problem. Yeah. So the problem is behind the problem. Be- the, the, the problem is the fact that you are coerced in some way, shape or form to engage in a different behavior than you would have otherwise. Hmm. And presumably as well, presumably... Um if you're pulled into an activity which you know is not good for you, you're being pulled in, the, in that direction probably because you don't have something pulling you with a greater pull pulling you in the direction that you would really like to go in. It's, it's kind of, it, it wins out because there isn't a bigger picture, more compelling direction to go in. Right. And... Ultimately, look, there's one thing that happened with me, right? Because I used to enjoy my drinks. You know, I never, I was never the kind of person who would get, actually, I never really even enjoyed to to have a buzz. Like, I, I never drunk to to become, a lot of people drink to get drunk. Yeah. Um, but that, to me, that, that was very, always very unpleasant. However... I did enjoy my my drinks here and there, you know, my whiskey or whatever. And, you know, I would have them. And, of course, you know, I would fancy myself a, a civilized person. And, of course, you know, after a long day of whatever, uh, you know, have my single malt and and enjoy it and all this and, or two. You know. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, here's what happened. The more I engaged into the the path the shamanic path and the magical path and all this and naturally the questions would come up and i would have to answer those questions to myself on on a daily basis i found that as i started changing my life there were things like for example to give you an example <clears throat> Uh, a year ago, I wasn't fully engaged with uh, life in the way 
that I am today. Like I wasn't fully engaged into my creativity. It was something that, you know, would be seasonal, if you will. And of course, I, I had all these uh, perfect excuses. Like, you know, I'm a family man now. I have other responsibilities. <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do that. And of course, but the problem here is that the more you lie to yourself, uh, the more you have to patch this kind of holes that, that exist. But if you can't see them, then you can see them. But you have to uh, put some kind of Band-Aid on top of them. Otherwise, you start feeling the pain. So the need to have a couple of drinks, you know, on a daily basis to, to engage with this sort of behavior stemmed from the fact that I had unfulfilled parts within my life, within myself, that I needed to find a way to be okay with, you see. And, and amazingly enough, the more I started to jumpstart this new person, this new life, uh, and fully engage every day in every way, the less I needed to have the drinks. I mean, this is like a, a reverse engineering in some, in some form. Because you get to, uh, inadvertently, you get to recognize what was going on. See, I didn't even know that the drinks needed to happen because they were serving a purpose. I thought the drinks was just the drinks. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like, oh, people go out, you know, it's like a, a guy's night or a girl's night, we'll go and have a couple of drinks or 15, you know, and, and that's how it is because it's, you know, it's friendship, it's good times. <laughs> but in my life, I found experientially that this is not the case. If you need, as it, as it turns out, if you need anything, if you have a need for anything, that need is there to fulfill something in your daily life that is unfulfilled. And when I talk about a need, I'm, I'm talking about a need to engage in some kind of addictive behavior. So it's filling a void, it's masking over something that you don't want to face, or it's a, it's a something to soothe a particular hurt, which is perhaps not on the surface, but it's keeping it just underneath it. So, so it was, so it was essentially you, you finding or, or you returning to these activities, your art, your work, you know, your homesteading and, and all the stuff that you do, all the stuff that you wanted to do. It was returning to that, that gave you a bigger purpose and a bigger pull than the pull to be engaged in this other stuff. And also, and also because being engaged in it, you were dealing with it and therefore you didn't need to engage in having the drinks. And you, you said it perfectly here. That's the purpose. See, we talked about having a purpose a, long, a lot of times in our podcast and how important it is 
to have to discover your destiny, to discover your greater purpose of being alive. And the idea here is that everyone has that. Everyone has that purpose. But we have been screwed with so much that don't people don't, don't believe. Most people don't believe that they have that purpose. And even if you talk to them about that, they're going to laugh it off like you're an asshole and, and how dare you say these things and, you know, talk about pie in the sky kind of concepts. This is real life, man. And uh, so, and, and this is why I would say, as my personal observation, a lot of people do this kind of thing. There is there is zero reason for someone to sit after like a day's work to sit back and have 12 beers. You know what I mean? If, if they don't need to mask some kind of a, a pain that is fucking them up, there's zero reason. This isn't like, you know... Even if the alcohol, the substance itself, is addictive, mm. there's zero reason for anyone to to keep doing that. Well, it's it's not. I mean, even if they didn't have so much of the alcohol, even if after their day's work they came in and just sat in front of TV TV and watched football for the night, and then just crawled into bed after seven hours of doing that, or they went out and got McDonald's and other rubbish and they stuff their faces for the night i mean it's there's lots of ways in which that um need or that pain can be masked without it necessarily having to be uh, done so with an addictive substance that's right so you come you come home and then you because you're home now, you're not being as distracted as you have been during the the rest of the day where someone is forcing you to do the job <laughs> right now you're home and now all of a sudden you need to put a band-aid over that kind of voice that starts coming out and says hey what have you been doing all your life <laughs> what kind of life is that man what the fuck is going on with you why why <laughs> and who wants to do this ah shut the fuck up you know <laughs> stuff your face you know or or you said it, you know, sports, sports, an amazing, an amazing uh, addiction for people, you know, because it, it is so insidious too, because they, people get some kind of a, a satisfaction, like they think they have contributed, <laughs> you know, they think they contribute somehow, you know, like they think they're doing the sports, you know what I mean? Like you, you have people being like, Oh, you know, we kicked some ass today. <laughs> we won. No, mother father, you haven't won shit. You know who won? The, the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't win anything, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, you lost. You lost. You know, you you engaged emotionally. You got upset, or you got like really spent celebrating something that is not even yours. So this is spent energy, you know? It's revving up the car, you know, without going anywhere. <laughs> so, I don't know. What the, like, what is, why is that behavior that is acceptable? And why is it that people feel that that's totally cool? And then, you know, people were like, people are like, oh, you know, that's, 
that guys needs their sports. <laughs> you know, that becomes like a societal thing. You know what I mean? So in that respect, I'm definitely not a guy at all. I guess. <laughs> because I never, and maybe that's, maybe that's a trauma. I just realized that. Maybe that is a trauma in and of itself that actually turns around and helps me in some way. Because, you know, I actually just this just came just came, came up. You know what I think of every time I think of sports? I think of my dad religiously watching every Sunday there was a, a sports program <laughs> in Greece, right? In Athens. And he was he has a very distinct kind of music, which is now it's it's, it's stuck with me because I, I can't ever forget it. And that was in in the evening, Sunday evening, and that reminded me somehow that this is the tr the trigger, this is the uh, the anchor that the next day I had school that I didn't like. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so you see, the sports thing. This kind of sports thing, that, although I loved engaging, actually playing the sport, but but usually I was I was more into like the more the more intellectual sort of sports, you know, like I don't know chess or or like Aikido that I practiced or um, fencing things like that. So yes, see the triggers are everywhere, man, and we all have them. Mm. But ultimately, I mean that was the case this isn't my my dad has that this is part part of his life that if, if you yunk that away from him it's going to cause issues he's going to to make him very unhappy because mm. that's part of his life and so many people are like that you know so many people mm -hmm. are 100% engaged with their sports. We take their sports away like every Sunday or Super Bowl, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, you know, they will become very upset. They will become a different person. And mm. perhaps that's a possession of other sorts. That's what we're talking about here. So, given that we're hitting our usual time bar, how would you like to sum up this one on addiction? We're all addicted. We're all addicted because we're all habitual beings. Habits form in the form in the way of creating programs within the subconscious mind. The programs are behavioral patterns. So there's two things that we need to consider. We need to be mindful of. One is that there's always habits. We can be we cannot be habit free. That's the human condition. But if you're going to have habits, pay attention to the ones that serve you and realize why it is that you're, you know, think about why it is that you're engaging in behavior that doesn't serve you. Now, for a lot of people, that's a tough one, right? Because how would you even, how can someone who's a sports fan, you know, like a, an avid sports fan, realize that that behavior doesn't serve them right it takes a certain kind of reflection um but you know to each to each their own i guess the idea here is that our addictions eat up our energy 
So if you're going to use energy to feed your addictions, wouldn't you want some kind of return? Some kind of return. Because an addiction is like a, an, um, an investment, right? This is like, I mean, wouldn't it be kind of insane? The person to, that is addicted to uh, investing money that constantly gets wasted. And of course, there is such an addiction. It's called gambling. Because <laughs> in, the, in their minds, they think they're investing. You see, that's, that's, but yeah, this is, this is, and it's a good one because most people gamble their energy, their life force like that, left and right, mm -hmm. without any real purpose. And then they find themselves, like I was listening to that uh, Pink Floyd song, Time, yesterday. Like you find, you know, 10, 10 years have got behind you. Like no one told you when to run. And, uh, you know, you get there and you're like, whoops, what happened? What happened to me? Where did my life go? So if we have to end with one phrase, that is pay attention. And this is actually the phrase that we keep on one, in one form or another repeating on every episode. Pay attention. Pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to uh, what happens in your life. Take inventory of the hours within a single day and, and where they go. What do you do? What have you engaged with? What is it that you have spent your life of that day doing. I suppose it's, it's, it's when, once you take the inventory, you're then more obliged to be clear and intentional about where you're spending your time and where you're focusing your energy as distinct from allowing vast swathes of that energy and time to just be absorbed in you doing stuff that you're not really, you're participating in, but you're not really driving. You're not driving the bus. It's like you're a passenger. You've given yourself over to being on somebody else's bus, in effect, by sitting watching the sports for four or five hours or by engaging in um, addictive behaviours which um, are absorbing huge amounts of time. And instead, what we're saying is that it's about identifying what it is you want from your life and then start putting your time and your energy into those things. That's right. And we talked about that in the motivation episode. It says, you know, if, yeah. you, if you take a snapshot of your day, of your week, of your month, of a year, and see what has happened, then you get a clear understanding of where your life is going. You know, or if you look at it, if you view it as that's one of my, it's a favorite for me, view your life as a real estate, it's a real estate, as an estate, then you look at what's, what's going on with your house, what's going on with your estate, what's going on with the, the property, right? Is, is it looking better every day? Is something, is something being improved or is it getting to be run down like a, a piece of shit? that people would squat into mm. in the future, you know? That's yeah. That's how 
I see it. And if you don't see, I mean, if you don't, if you see that and if you don't care to fix it, then I'd say you are self-destructive. You have a, you have a death wish or whatever. You know, I mean, you don't want to be around, which is something in of itself that needs to be addressed and needs to be paying attention to. Because I, th I don't, I think more, a lot of people um, have that kind of understanding and attitude towards life. But if you tell them that, they will punch you in the face. Like, how dare you? Right? But that's that's mm. this is what your actions are saying, man. Forget about what you want to believe, you know, or what you want to think. But ultimately, yeah. what the truth is, your actions, see your results, right? For yeah. for a magician and a shaman, what matters is the results you get. Your intentions yeah. don't matter, your results matter. Like if if a shaman is like, well, you know, I'm here, like I'm a healer, and uh, unfortunately, most of the time, instead of healing people, they die in my hands. But I tried, I did my best. And you realize that something is wrong here with that picture, you know, and there's there's nobody else's doing, but yours, because this is this is your vehicle. If your car. Is, is not in a good condition, it's your fault. Fault. It's your responsibility. Yeah. So there. I think I think that's adequate. I think we Yeah. We we covered it. And you know, for anyone who thinks that an addiction is like an act of God, you know, like a I don't know, like a hurricane. You know, like you it just happened. How dare you? You know, you don't know about that. You've never had someone loved that fell into that black hole and then weren't able to come out. Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all have one way or another, either within ourselves or with loved ones. But it's not, it's, it's, it's never a black hole. Once you realize what's going on, you have a choice. See, you always have a choice. We talked about that too last week. We always have a choice and the choice is to act in one way or in another way. If I put a gun to to your head and, and say to you, um, I will kill you and your family if you don't go sacrifice a hundred you know, kids to the Lord Cthulhu, and, and you, you're like, well, you know, I had no choice. And you go and sacrifice the children. It is, that's your choice. You know what I mean? It's like nobody can say, oh, I had no choice. Of course you had a choice. It's a choice. You could say, well, I didn't want to die. I didn't want my family. Yeah, of course. I, I get it. But it's a choice. Hmm. So everyone has a choice. And choices have repercussions. And sooner or later, you know, we all, we all get to deal with those. You know, we all have our own personal hell to deal with. Uh, some of us, have made terms with most of it. But this is a, it's an uphill battle. You know, it, it doesn't ever stop because we are, it's like a train and the train goes on forever. And there's like all these cars in there. Your ancestors, your ancestors haven't gone anywhere. It's all, right? We're all energy. Uh, the fact that these ancestral links uh, are, are, have gone, they're not flesh and 
blood anymore, it doesn't mean they're not there because the life force is still around. So you are both influenced by them still and you, with your actions, your thoughts and your own personal magic, you influence them back. Of course, there's a concept that a lot of people, you know, think are bullshit, but hey, I don't care. We're ob obligated. This is our <laughs> approach here. <laughs> it's it's our it's our podcast. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, you know, go find out what your addictions are. Uh, take inventory of your addictions. Oh, this is what I love to do every day. You know, <laughs> I I whatever. I love to have fifteen cups of coffee and then do this and then do that. Then go on Facebook for three and a half hours and uh, then eat and, and then watch Netflix and then go to bed. You know, if, if, you, if you take inventory, if you see that and you're cool with it and you're like, oh, that's, that was a worthwhile day. This was a day well spent. Then more power to you. Then go on. You have nothing to worry about. But if you need to step out of your addictions, this is how you do it. Mm. And now, once again, the methods differ i can't tell you oh you know go and you know see a hypnotherapist or you know go to a tony robbins seminar or go to a witch and, and drink a potion or you know whatever do, do the jacko willing what is that his name um yeah approach where it's like pain 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 you know and push yourself to to the utmost extreme, it's up to you how you want to deal with it. it. It depends on the person. But it also depends. It also depends on once you've taken stock and you decide that what you know, spending your days doing those things are not getting you what you want. It it requires you to make a commitment to get the thing or create the thing that you want or create the life that you want. And only by making the commitment can you then start to move forward. Um, and it's not really about stopping the other things. It's more about committing to getting these other things that you want to create. And once you start moving in that direction, the other things, a bit like you said, around your two drinks in the evening, the, that falls away because you recognize that the time and energy that you want to spend on creating this new situation is far more important, far more compelling than some of these other activities that are not serving you at all. That's right. Exactly. And ultimately, there is one thing that is very important to realize. Any path that you choose to in your attempt to get rid of your addictions or to change your addictions into being beneficial addictions involves taking full responsibility, right? Is that, you know, if you're gonna, if you're going to take a path of, okay, I know that, um, you know, I need to quit smoking or I need to quit snorting coke or, and I know of a person who can just like that, you know, <laughs> snap fingers and make it happen for me. You know, or I'm going to do ayahuasca and then I'm going to emerge a new human being. No, it's it's not going to work. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to work. None of that shit works. It never works. You either change 
your operating system or the viruses will re-emerge even if you temporarily you know put them to sleep so it's about committing to a greater purpose really exactly and there it is we are we did it again oops Brittany <laughs> would be proud of us she would wherever she is lord bless her lord cthulhu okay then i hope that we have addressed the topic sufficiently for uh, an hour and change worth of uh, engagement my friend thank you again for your priceless input and your patience for putting up with my shit and thank our listeners uh and we want to invite you to join our facebook group your mind is trying to kill you podcast get in there and ask questions please all right and having said that until next week let's be careful out there and don't let your mind kill you thanks for listening to your mind is trying to kill you with alexandros megas and vincent byrne if you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode then we would love if you would subscribe on apple podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on and you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well it would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media so join us next wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life until then have a great week Thank you.